right, well, welcome back, Daniel Linhart. I have my drinks. I have my tea. What'd you get today? Do you have coffee? Looks like uh, coffee. This one was cranberry glow. I think and this is berry, berry wellness. Water in the left hand. Your left hand does not liquefied. know what the right hand is go, doing. Did you go biblical there? <laughs> I did. Uh, well, welcome back to the table. Welcome back to another episode. Um, you may or may not have noticed that we released our last two episodes a little out of order. But not a big deal. I think you got the gist of it. You know what we were doing. You just flow along. Just just roll just with follow it. along. Yeah. Get in line. Get in line. Yeah. <laughs> Even if someone cuts in line, even if someone cuts in front of you, don't get upset. Don't push them out. Yeah, just let and, it happen. And, and, you know, just have a posture of grace. Yeah, you might even tap them on the back and say, "Excuse me." Yeah, are you okay? You should. How are you? See your way out. Actually, I hate it when people say that. <laughs> so, anyways, we're back uh, with another episode here on Option Five. We've been talking about. We've been talking about a lot. It kind of started with this idea of a learning organization. If you went back before, even, even before that, you're going to hear a lot of coughing. Yep. Even before that, we were talking about um, product teams, how cross-discipline teams are the way to do work. This still all fits together. Um, we had a chance to talk to a bunch of other people that were practitioners inside of product teams, whether they were product managers, designers. I don't, we, did we talk to any, any developers? When? Uh, when we were doing our interviews. I'm going to feel uh, bad I think, if I can. I think it was almost all product. We had managers. some designers or, or directors of yeah. design. So, mm -hmm. And now Dan and I have picked it back up, back at the table together, chatting about uh, a framework um, where we're trying to put some language to some things we've been doing for the last 10 years. Mm -hmm. So welcome to the conversation. If you haven't, you should go back and listen to the last mm, three or four episodes to at least have any idea what we're going to talk about today. <laughs> to recap it, there'd be a lot. Yeah. I mean... Maybe we should give a, a real quick recap of what we've talked about so far. Do you want to do that? You do it. All right. Sorry. Oh, hold on. I'm going to take a drink of tea. Yeah. I see you looking over there. And if you haven't already checked out. No, I'm looking in the left quadrant of my brain. That's fine. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to riff off of it anyways. Um, if you haven't already subscribed to our YouTube channel, you may be listening to, the, to this podcast on your favorite podcast platform of choice. Mine happens to be Pocket Cast. But you could do it on Spotify, iTunes. I don't know. There's a bunch of other spots that we're, we're on. But we're also on YouTube. And uh, kind of a, a little bit of an announcement. We took the episodes that were on the Crema channel. Mm -hmm. Those have been taken down. Do not be alarmed. <laughs> They're still available to you. <laughs> They're out there. They are on their own YouTube channel. We decided to go ahead and spin up an option five channel that is dedicated to just the episodes of this podcast um, really since the beginning when we've been filming them. So if you are watching us on YouTube, yeah, check out our background today. It's it's messy. You could throw it in the art category. Or advertising. I think that's probably an ad. Of you could design. say that advertising is an art. Yeah, sure. And yeah. maybe even art is advertising. Ooh. Maybe you want to sell a second wow. painting. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Starving artist then is a real you better thing. Better make sure your first one's good. It does really make me want some sugar right now. What's wrong with sugar? I'm just trying to back off on sugar. Really? Well, I'm saying. What did you have that, for lunch today? Um, a 
like a paleo meal, some chicken and broccoli. Okay. Good for you. Yeah. I'm doing better. Yeah. That being said, I had um, maybe eight Caramel Delight uh, uh, Girl Scout cookies last night. Hey, that's better than having 10. <laughs> yeah, I did. And maybe the- at one point you would have had 10. I did not eat the whole box. Which is easy to do. Oh, man. Um, I like Thin Mints. They are so good. We got some, too. This I little th- girl came to our door, and we are a sucker for Girl Scout cookies at the door. I think my favorite are, is it Lemon Delight? Or oh, lemon, those are good. Uh, They've changed the names of a lot. Lemon. A lot. Lemonades. Those, those are, are tasty. Favorite. Those are tasty. I really like it. Caramel Delights, previously known as Samo- Samoas. I think there was an issue with using... Yes. Yeah. I don't, yeah. I'm not going to get into it. I don't Let's, understand it. You know, <laughs> I don't understand it. Why open up a can of worms? Um, but um, yeah, caramel delights are, are my favorite for sure. They're fantastic. Coconut. Um, okay. So real quick recap. We've been thinking about what has made crema crema. What has made us successful over the last 10 years? What's made a, the work that we do draw people in to want to work here, retain people to stay here and to serve our clients really, really well. Mm. Um, why have we had many of our clients say, we want to work even more like you. Mm -hmm. So help us to do that. So we're trying to put some language, some words towards how would we describe the stuff that maybe we kind of accidentally intentionally, Mm -hmm. and we begged, borrowed and stealed from a lot stole, stole, stealed is not a word, stole from others Mm -hmm. to kind of start to think about, um, a framework, um, a way of, um, packaging these things. Um, as it stands now, the kind of theme is about learning and changing and adapting um, in order to constantly improve. Mm-hmm. And that happens through three pillars or vertices or kind of three structures. Ooh, can't use that word. Three um, elements. There you go. We'll stick yeah. with that for now. Elements. Molecules. Compounds. Actually, somebody did say that my, um, and the talk that I gave last week, the the diagram that I drew looked like a molecule structure. So, yeah, I mean, when you have circles yeah, with and lines, lines between them, it's like Tinker Toys all over again. Love it. So what are those elements? Um, as it stands now, we've been thinking about them being postures, disciplines, and structures. So we've already covered posture, postures um, and disciplines. Postures are basically your mindsets. What are the things you're thinking about? What are your attitudes, your feelings about the way that you're doing your work? Um, there's lots of way to check in on those things. Mm-hmm. You can just purely ask, how are you feeling? Mm-hmm. Um, giving people actually a set of words to maybe pull from is really helpful and to not make it binary. So it's not a one mm-hmm. thing. It's actually kind of um, multiple things or spectrum of ideas or mindsets. Um, Think of it as like your general disposition that you bring to the workplace. Yeah. It's whereas feelings are part of it. Feelings can be fickle and they can change from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. I can change time. in the meeting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My feelings have changed now. Wow. That's not I'm true. pretty much the same. But I just wanted to just kind of throw that out yeah, there, okay. that it's possible. Your disposition, think of it as like your the general disposition around the collective team that you bring into the workplace. Right. And maybe you define what that dis- disposition is. Maybe we want a disposition of curiosity, yep. confidence. Maybe you want a disposition of quick, fast moving. Mm-hmm. Like that's yeah. just part of who we are. We fast so and break things. What yeah. is that posture? What is that general disposition that we want? Oftentimes, um, that disposition, that posture will be reflected in, in your values. Mm-hmm. It'll be reflected in maybe things that you say a lot. So yeah, so that's postures. I think that postures gets 
underutilized as a as a um, tool, if you will, or a, a something to be aware of, so that you actually know where your team or where you yourself, where you individually stand. Mm-hmm. Second thing is disciplines. Disciplines really shape your postures. We've I think we realized. Mm-hmm. Um, and disciplines are about those the activity. What are the things that we're doing? Um, they may happen on a regular basis, which kind of creates a habit. A discipline that turns into a real habit, or it may be just something you're intentionally leaning into. You want to make a change in your activity. You want to do things in a different way. We know that habits rule everything in our lives. Most of the way that we think and the things that we do are habit loops just happening over and over again. I think Mm -hmm. I read something recently. It said 40% of your day is exactly the same as yesterday. Mm -hmm. I buy it. Yeah. Um, And so creating a new discipline, a new habit takes replacing an old one. Charles Duhigg from um, The Power of Habit talks a lot about that. Yeah. Your disciplines, I feel like, are the enablers to allow you to accomplish what you want to accomplish. Yeah. So if you want to get in better cardiovascular shape, Mm -hmm. the discipline may be my alarm goes off at five. I sit up, I tie my shoes, put on my shirt. I then lay back down and then go back to sleep. Right. At that point, you're breaking your discipline (laughs) and you're not going to accomplish anything. So yeah, the discipline, it's routine, it's consistent. It does need to be altered probably every once in a while. Yeah. Mix so it up. if you want to get better, maybe instead of 5 a.m. Monday, Wednesday, Friday, maybe it's 5 a.m. Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and then you add in Saturday. Mm-hmm. Or maybe you switch it up and it, it's 5 a.m. instead of jogging for 30 minutes, you jog for 40 minutes. Right. So minor inflections and changes in your disciplines help depending on the goal you want to set. But the key thing is they're, they're, they're routine. They're habitual. They last for at least a decent amount of time. Hopefully you're creating a rhythm of doing them. Yeah. And then they enable you to get to where you want to go. So you used example in the episode before, actually last episode, um, talking about the fact that one of your disciplines right now is just trying to be present, trying Mm -hmm. to be um, ready for the moment. Mm -hmm. And that actually is a discipline. Mm -hmm. Like being intentionally present is a a difficult thing to do Mm -hmm. because again, we're ruled by all the other things that normally get in our way. If you are going throughout your day and there is a time where you feel like, man, I feel awkwardly intentional right now. Like I'm almost having to try too hard. Then you're in the middle of a discipline that's new. Yeah. Yeah. Because you're just like, man, this doesn't feel normal or Mm -hmm. natural. I feel like I'm having to try really hard just to do this. Well, then you're probably in the midst of a discipline. Well, and, and that leans into the idea that changing a discipline, it can it can be hard mm-hmm. and it could even hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's where we talked about a little bit about teams when they have to make a change in the way that they work, they're usually going to go to through kind of that Valley of death, mm-hmm. that trough, that trough, trough, trunch, trunch, trough, say a trough, trough of uh, an ebb, an ebb. You're going to go ebb before you flow. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> I don't know. And I'm Valley, valley, you're going to go through there a Valley go. There you go. of, of having to kind of have the grit to stick through that change mm-hmm. before it creates a habit that actually leads you to thriving. Yep. So that's disciplines and postures. Um, we then previously talked about kind of a flow of um, the process of things. Mm-hmm. So just a very quick recap on that because there's a bunch of items in that. So I'm not going to go through all of them in detail, but um, effectively the the kind of process that we see you need to to go through in order to be prepared to adapt and change or to know what to adapt and change um, includes the initial step of just paying attention, mm-hmm. keeping your mind focused or tuned to the right things so that you're actually looking at what can change or what should change. Um, going from paying attention, which is more of a passive activity to an mm-hmm. active activity of collecting. So 
what can I, how can I collect ideas? Um, as a designer, I used to collect lots of UI inspiration, user interface um, inspiration from all over the place, or I would try lots of different experiences. So I had a collection of experiences that I could pull from to then make the decision to try mm-hmm. in whatever project I was doing. Um, so uh, paying attention, uh, collecting, that's kind of your activity of grabbing ideas. Mm-hmm. Then you have to decide. So you have to make a decision on, I'm going to lean in, I'm going to make a change, I'm going to do a thing. Mm-hmm. And um, from that decision comes an experiment. So at that point, you're actually saying, I'm going to I'm running this experiment. You can put parameters on how long that experiment lasts, what you're doing in it, um, what are the success metrics, or you know, how long do we just think we have to stick with it before we'll mm-hmm. see some return, fail or win. Right. Then iterating, of course, that's very much the lean cycle. Um, so iterating on your experiment and either saying, we need to run that again to learn something different, mm-hmm. or we need to refine and improve it, um, or et cetera, et cetera. So that's just that that kind of secondary loop of working on something. Usually that's where most frameworks stop, is they just say, keep looping on yourself, mm-hmm. which I think is good. And we would affirm that idea of continuing to lean into the change. But we added one additional one, which is um, either teach or share. Mm-hmm. So once you learn something, either that it was a win or a fail, or some type of result from the outcome of your experiment Mm -hmm. or your decision to do a thing. Now share that with somebody else. It could be, I was experimenting with something personally and so it worked out and I really want to share it with my peers so that they can also have this benefit. Mm -hmm. Or it's a team says, we're going to do more retrospectives and we did our retrospectives in a new way and it worked really, really well. And so we want to share that with other teams Mm -hmm. or even organizations sharing um, their data with their market so that the market as a right. whole can grow. You right. Know, it can happen at those different levels. Yeah. Interdepartmental learnings of being able to say, because of a team in, in your organization, and if it's small, this is probably not as big of a problem, but for those organizations that are fairly large right. and information is collected on like, if you want to use the term front lines, mm-hmm. being able to have two-way communication, because communication for the most part is coming top down, but it needs to come top down and bottom up. Yep. There needs to be a two way street there. And so if communication is getting stuck either way, yeah. the one of the best ways to do is just share the information. Even if you feel like, I don't know if I have anything to really teach someone or improve someone, just the fact that you're sharing mm-hmm. yeah. can generate more ideas. And when you share, you kind of have to force yourself to learn what you mm-hmm. really think. Yeah. yeah. It's Which more is kind of, of what learning. we're doing right yeah. now. <laughs> yeah. It's more of a learning process probably for the share than anyone else. Oh yeah, totally. That's a great, great word. Um, so where does that leave us? The one thing that I didn't actually describe, which is what we're going to work on today is structures. So if you think back again to mm-hmm. disciplines, postures, and structures, what, what do we mean? This is the area. What comes to your mind, George? Oh, you're going to throw it to me. I am. Dang it. I was going to throw it to you. That was my whole idea. Oh. What comes to mind? For me, a structure is something that is difficult to change quickly. Um, Not that it's good or bad. I don't know that it has a value. It could be either good or bad. You may have structures in place that are positive or negative. Mm -hmm. And they're probably on a spectrum. Right. But they're they're more set in stone in some way. Mm -hmm. So when I think about structures, I think about for us at Crema would be our mission, vision, values. Mm -hmm. Right. Those are things that are pretty well established. We've had them for a long time and we're not planning to change them anytime soon. Mm-hmm. We're, 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 those are written down. Mm-hmm. Um, I think of a lot of organizations have a pretty structured org chart. 
So leadership is set up mm -hmm. in a certain way, um, either in a very um, top-down approach where there's a lot of micromanagement or you know managerial departments, mm -hmm. or your org chart is very very fluid and more network. Um, right. You've defined a way of the how you're doing your work. Mm -hmm. uh, your space, so our environment, right, is a stru another structure like our office. We don't change our office very often. Mm -hmm. It might get tweaked. We might add something here or there. We might change out monitors or whatever. But the way where we sit, what we do, those are pretty constant. Yeah. It's almost like structures are, and it's interesting, it, feel, it feels like you have to use confining words, mm -hmm. limiting words, to describe something that's actually enabling yeah. and clarifying and probably freedom giving yeah, to a certain extent. Yeah. So if someone comes new on your team and you have a fairly innovative culture and you have a fairly, um, you're okay giving people the freedom to explore, yep. try new things, uh, especially things that really, I mean, if there's failure, it's not going to cost you much. Sure. Sure. That can be that in and of itself without constraints can be confining if they don't know what am I allowed to do? Yeah, right. You know, it, creativity but, without constraints. Exactly. Man, it's so hard. The moment they ask for, what are my, um, clarify what is okay and mm -hmm. what's not okay. Mm -hmm. And even, you know, clarify why is it not okay or whatever. Right. If someone has that, now they have the freedom to mm -hmm. go and explore within those constraints. Yeah. Because if you think about it, I mean, anarchy, there's no constraints. There's no government. Yeah. Just everyone of themselves. What do you get? You get walking dead. You get cohorts of people, <laughs> people that just are trying to survive, that are right. trying to survive. They're creating probably laws that are self-centered, selfish. Mm -hmm. They're just looking out for themselves basically. Yeah, right. But really when you have guide rails or you have guidelines, principles. Yeah. And a lot of times it's because, especially if you have a healthy culture, it's like you might outline, um, guardrails that are to protect your culture. The thing that is good. Yeah. Without those guardrails, the thing that is good that everyone wants is going to start to change. It might morph into something that you're not mm -hmm. really proud of anymore. Mm -hmm. And so structure, yes, it sounds kind of confined. It sounds rigid. But really that, I guess, quote unquote, rigidity can create a lot of flexibility, a lot of room to explore. And it's awesome because it allows you to do exactly what you said. When you think about our postures and our disciplines, those can change a lot more frequently. Mm -hmm. And they should maybe. Right. Um, and they will, you know. And so, but if you have something to anchor, anchor yourself mm -hmm. back to, mm -hmm. which are your structures, yeah. it gives you that kind of source of truth in something. Yeah. I've got a home base. Right. Right. I've got a home base, something to tether myself to, to where if, some, if an experiment fails or I try something new. Oh, I thought I turned off the beeper. The alarms go off. Dang it. That's not true. If you create structures, alarms don't go off. Hold on. I'm going to reset the camera. <laughs> One day we'll buy a camera that doesn't need to be reset. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> I think it goes along with that quote. I'm probably going to butcher it, but it's the idea that without individuals, nothing gets done. Without institutions, nothing lasts. Ooh. And I would say most people don't like the word institution. No. When you think about institution, you're like, modern day. Yeah. bureaucracy, uh -huh. red tape. But the idea of an institution is something that is ethereal and bigger than yourself. And that will outlive you. It's a legacy almost. That's kind of the idea behind institution. So structures can help form. What are those guardrails that create this protective, um, not covering, but just protective 
area safe or sphere, safe, safe space. Yeah, 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 I like the home base or the anchor that really allows what we love and hold dear mm-hmm. um, to remain as we continue to explore. It's almost like pioneering. Oh, you know, it's like you have a home base, and I'm going to go explore. Right, I'm going to explore. I'm going to map the terrain, but I know what I'm coming back to. Right. So there's danger, there's risk, there's excitement out there, right. new discoveries. But there's a safe place. But to there's come a back safe to. place to come back to. And so structures kind of give you that. Yeah. Yeah. I think I've probably viewed structures. We talked a little bit about whether or not structures were oftentimes blockers and constraints. Right. And they can be. They totally can be. They can go wrong. they don't have sure. to be. And right. And I think that, I think one thing is we, all these things are really important to just kind of uh, name or recognize or pay attention to if we go back to our process. Right. And so paying attention to what structures do you have in place? And then taking inventory in some ways of, is this a structure that's helping us to thrive? Mm-hmm. Or is this a structure that's actually putting a constraint or blocking us from thriving? Right. And and that's going to be different for every organization. But I'm I'm sure there are some some pretty standard thing questions to ask. I'm not exactly mm-hmm. sure what those are off the top of my head. Sure. But I think of a lot of people would say bureaucracy is oftentimes a structure that keeps them from thriving. Yeah. When I think of bureaucracy, I think of structures or policies that are put in place to allow people with power to hold power. Right. And at oh, that yeah. point, that is one, that would probably go against what most cultures stand for. Mm-hmm. But over time, if things are left unchecked, right. if you don't do retrospectives even on the structures, yeah, people that have been in a place of power for long enough, are going that's when that bureaucracy sits in. And so I think when we've talked about our own org chart, We've said this is not to describe or create confines or hierarchy. Mm-hmm. This is just to communicate clarity. Yeah. This is just to communicate. And to be clear, who be has kind. a connection to who? Right. Um, most people, I would think, when they come in, it's like, who am I accountable to? Mm-hmm. That's a good question. Well, you're accountable to this person. That creates a connection. Like in the organization, I now yeah. have a connection to you. And that happens to be you're my boss. Yep. I'm accountable to you. Yep. But also the boss is accountable to the employee, right? Provide resources for growth and to have regular checkups with you. How are you flourishing? How are you doing? There's mutual accountability. So org charts don't have to be chain of command hierarchy, right? It's just a clarifying tool. Oh, I think it's really good. I think I, I know people have a gut reaction to thinking about these things. And I think we want to, as much as possible, we want to stay in the potentially positive mindset or posture towards this stuff. Because it can be really good. And if you are thinking about that, most of these things were put into place, mm-hmm. most of them, not mm-hmm. all of them, um, with the best of intentions. Right. Right. So we we wanted to create a place where you knew what your role was. So we created a department. Well, there's nothing wrong with departments innately, but departments have come, become a place of siloing people. Right. So that structure can slip to, over time, being something that's actually not helpful. So I think... I would say, I think bouncing the structure off of your, bouncing the structure off of your, um, what's helping your organization to thrive and are we seeing Mm -hmm. enough perspectives Mm -hmm. and are we removing silos? Are we checking our posture? Are we actually constantly growing is a way to really ask yourself, is that structure serving us or is it actually holding us back? Yeah, I think what you just said there's a great um, segue into, so there's this article that was done or a study that was done at the University of Belgrade 
um, I may have said that wrong, Belgrade, Belgrade, um, mm. where it talks about the symbiotic relationship between org structure mm. and org culture. And I love what they said is that the idea that your culture from the beginning will help define what your structure should be. Yeah. And as you get bigger, your structure will start to affect your culture. Mm. And I think that's where we, that's where those checks and balances come in. So I can only imagine say, okay, we'll take Crema for example. We started with two, three, now we're at 40. We love our culture. Um, there are things that we would, we will live and die for certain things about our culture. Mm-hmm. It's like these things have to remain true. Yep. But we also know they start to express themselves different as your org grows. Right. Um, and as it grows, mm-hmm. structures change. And don't pretend that's not going to happen. Right. right. And so, whereas a company might start out with more of a functional structure, meaning like everyone in the HR department reports to the VP of HR. And it's like, a long ladder of management yeah, yeah. and then everyone in the finance reports to finance and then so forth. And so you have basically what's si- what are silos. Yeah. And if your company originally started out to where it's like, we didn't want to be this way. We wanted to be more collaborative. Then you might want to take a look at how the structure is now affecting your culture. And what if we switched our structure from departments and mm-hmm, functional mm-hmm. to more matrix or network? Yeah, which I love. And that's kind of like what we're looking at specifically is as we grow, sure, new leaders will raise up, but that doesn't mean you have to get higher hierarchical. Right. You could grow in a way to where it's more like cells. Mm-hmm, you have teams of mm-hmm. teams that are accountable within the team to each other team, but then there's leaders that yeah. might be in charge of teams. Yeah. And so you might have people of five different roles working together, accountable to each other in a matrix fashion Yep. that then have uh, coaches or managers that they report to, to grow yep. and to yep. develop. Yep. Um, this is getting along the lines of what is now termed a self-organizing team. Yeah. And mm. there's mm. so, oh, so excited many about this idea. different yeah. values along the pendulum of yeah, work structure. Totally. totally. Um, but the idea is whatever you value, whatever that is, right. Have your structure reflect the value and just continue to keep it in check. Or else one day you might find that, well, we wanted to be really flat and now it's like we're a thousand people and we're all silent. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You know, and everybody's sitting by themselves. And that's when, you know, things that are kind of synonymous with bureaucracy come in. Things are slow moving now. Things, I have to have a piece of triplicate with the blue copy, yellow copy, white copy, pink copy to get approved budget for a, a printer. Which again or creates... printer ink creates whatever that is. Yeah. So many blockers. Yeah. So, okay. Everyone wants to be quick. Everyone wants to be nimble. Everyone wants to be fast. Agile. Your culture and your structure, if they are out of whack, Mm -hmm. those things won't be able to be accomplished. And so it's a lot. It's a lot. I think this is a really complex one. And And it's the hardest thing to change. Well, going back to it is it, they change it tends to be something that if you do try to change it quickly, it can really hurt the culture. It can mess, it messes with people's emotions. So Zappos, oh, I don't remember when this was, and, and somebody can fact check us on this, but Zappos turned to being a self-organizing organization. Yeah. There's a name for it. Holacracy. Yeah. Yep. About, why well, that's been, what, eight years ago? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's been a while. Yeah. I don't know if they're still that. I, I They may have adapted back towards it, but I... In, Fact check me on this. I want to look, I probably should just go Google it now. But um, my understanding was that when they pivoted to that really quickly, I mean, it was a pretty like overnight move. Yeah. They didn't, I don't, at least they didn't report on it. I don't know if they experimented. 
It was yeah, pretty. It was pretty quick because I think they were like, we either have to go all in or we don't do it at right, all. Right. That's fair. But my understanding was is it was almost a complete one hundred percent turnover because yeah. people were like, we can't. We don't know how to work this way. This right. isn't the company that we worked for before. Right. And so that was such a massive structural change that was like breaking a a really important bone in your body. You yeah. Know? Like it was very difficult to say that's not going to heal fast and I'm going to be out for a while. Right? right. And so maybe once it did heal, it was stronger and they, mm-hmm. they, they're confident in working that way and they can work that way. I know, um, a lot of other organizations that have that type of structure, but they didn't start that way. And so it was harder to get there. Right. My suggestion most of the time either from a leadership perspective or even from a, um, a ground up perspective is that if you start working on your, your postures and your disciplines mm-hmm. and you start shifting those towards adapting your structure to what you want it to be or mm-hmm. setting a goal for where you want to get in your structure, then you give the space for that structure to change over time. Yep. So we go, we do want to be a more, you know, self-managing team. Mm-hmm. If we even internally at Crimo, we're not a self-managed organization fully mm-hmm. yet, but let's say we wanted to go there in order to move to that. If we pulled the bandaid off today and just said, Hey, FYI, I'll get to self-manage yourself and there's no constraints to it. That would be anarchy really bad. Yeah. But if we start shifting small, maybe on a one particular team or in our, maybe in our leadership team or whatever that is towards this new mindset, maybe a, a new set of disciplines that starts to affect it. Mm-hmm. Now we're only 40 people that change will probably happen in a, in a relatively quick period of time, but not overnight. Yep. So we won't break a bone. We'll build a new muscle, right? Yep. It'll hurt a little bit as it changes, but it's bearable. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you can slowly move that structure to what you want it to be. Right. Um, rather than going, you know, we're going to change the whole org overnight. Right. It's really difficult. I mean, if you think about it, it's like you're asking you just need to be able to answer a, a few questions. What am I responsible for? Yep. Who am I working with? Who am I accountable to? Right. And I what mean, what are my what are my guidelines? Yeah. So yeah. I there was the the study in the Harvard Business Review. Uh, it's been a couple of years back. Um, it was talking about GE's healthcare, um, one of their healthcare groups. It was a really long title. I'm not going to even try to, to describe that. Basically, what they did was they gave them a more confined time frame and budget mm-hmm. and said, be creative. Right. And like, I don't know, it's like a half a million dollars versus a $5.4 million. The previous budget was a lot larger. And they came up with more innovative solutions because of the constraint mm-hmm. of the time and budget. They had to go, you know what? We can't do it all. So we're going to have to start cutting things, you know? And I think that even as an artist, so I went to art school, I remember when the assignment was just kind of open-ended, how much anxiety that gave me Mm -hmm. because it was like, man, I could do anything. And you always think that that will be awesome. And then it's like, well, is my canvas the side of a building? Is it a, you know, is it the tip of a pencil? You know, I don't, what, I don't know what my constraint is. What's my medium? Am Mm -hmm. I going to paint this? Am I going to sculpt it or, you know, whatever. And that un, to be unclear is to be unkind, right? Mm -hmm. To not give people the assumption of what they have to work with. Right. Um, is unfair. Oh yeah. And, um, I think by giving people the constraint of a budget, a constraint Mm -hmm. of a timeline. Now the challenge with that is, are they realistic? 
Is sure. that constraint the right constraint? And the short answer is probably don't know until we run some experiments. Right. Um, so that goes back to disciplines. Mm -hmm. um, but I think that idea of giving someone, hey, FYI, you have an eight by 10 canvas and you're gonna use oils. Right. Oh, well, what am I painting? You know what? I'll give you a theme of a landscape. I really know what I can go create now. Right. Um, it's going to look, it's not going to be Bob Ross. That's for sure. Not for me. <laughs> happy little trees. Those are just happy trees. I think, you know what you, I mean? Oh yeah. And I think when you put constraints on something, it, the priorities surface, Yeah. like when you're limited on dollars, yeah, you start to realize, oh, we can cut that then. Yeah. But we have to spend the money here. Right. Cause that's, that's priority. And so if you walk into an organization and you start to see what those structures are, Pay attention because quickly you can understand what's what's important. Priority. Yeah, yeah, what's important to them. Yeah, absolutely. So for example, Crema, um, we're pretty unique as an agency in the fact that we have a growth team mm -hmm. that's dedicated to creating a lot of content, including the podcast you're listening to, um, including our YouTube channel, including blog posts, et cetera. And that's pretty abnormal for an agency. Mm -hmm. But it's really important to us because we want to grow our space in the world. We want to grow our thought leadership. We want people to know that we exist and that we really care about creating value. Right. So we've invested a certain budget towards creating this mm -hmm. team and doing these things. Now it means I have to get up every 20 minutes and reset the camera because we haven't bought a, a 10,000 or $20,000 camera because that money's gone elsewhere. Right. <laughs> and that's okay. That's a constraint right. that we can work within and we can still be creative and still produce really great content. Yeah. Um, I think that I'm coming around to not having such a negative view of constraints I th or, or of, um, structures. It would be an interesting experiment to on a, you know, pick a day or whatever, and just try to observe the structures that are just in your life in general yeah. at home, at work, when you're in the car, we're all thankful for the guardrails on the bridge, mm -hmm. you know, the structures that are yeah. in place that keep us safe. The lines that keep people in the yeah. right lane. And not just keep us safe, but give me freedom. It gives me freedom right. of not... I know the way home. Right. That's freeing to me. Yeah. I know that I have safety to get me home. Mm -hmm. That's freeing. Um, I'm sure there's probably a number of structures to where if you just paid attention to them, you could discover that, wow, look at all of these guardrails that aren't confining at all from like a, yeah, they're confining in like the tangible nature, but from an intangible standpoint, they're actually life-giving. Um, I feel more free because they're in my life. I was trying to think there, uh, I can't find it. Stop signs. There's this Street idea light, that you know. like people want freedom and they think, again, mm -hmm. they think that's anarchy or they think that that's um, remove all rules. And yet sometimes the rules are the most freeing thing. Um, and that's just so anti what, what the vocabulary of our society says right now of this idea of, you know, that if I, if only I could, could do whatever I want. Yep. It's like, do you really want that world? <laughs> right. Know? Yeah. Do you realize what people would really do if they could do whatever they wanted? Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that's the same in, in the workplace or for you individually. If, if you really could do whatever you wanted, would you make the right decisions? Would you, where, where would you spend your time? Where would you prioritize? Yeah. And how annoyed would you be if the person that you needed something from mm -hmm. said, well, I can do whatever I want myself. Sure. I don't have any guidelines. I don't have any constraints. Yeah. I don't have any structures. I think the selfishness of humanity would come out <laughs> in oh, gosh, droves. It's got, it's got <laughs> real philosophical, real fast. Um, so one, um, 
in the last few minutes we have yep. one thing that's helped um, us that's helped me in my head of trying to keep so what's the connection between postures yeah disciplines yeah, yeah. and structures and analogies are fun so we created this analogy of of a basketball player so sports yeah so walk yeah think here we go walk <laughs> down this lane here we go um you've got a student athlete in high school and this is going to become a very common experience to a lot of people in america so totally um it's a very um everyday thing it doesn't have to be basketball pick your sport but for us we picked basketball you've got a student athlete that walks into the gym mm -hmm. so initially she's uh she's got a posture she has a posture of i want to be punctual yep she's got a posture of i'm ready to work hard she's got a strong work ethic um, she's dedicated to her team. Yep. So she's brought a posture to, um, to practice. So practice starts. Well, actually before practice starts, you have a coach reviewing his practice plan. You have players warming up. Uh, practice is about to start at three 30 and it always goes till six 30. That's a discipline. And it's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. So there's this rhythm. Mm -hmm. There's this rhythm of, I get my ankles taped because my ankles are flimsy. For thing? Mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't ever tape my yeah. ankles. Uh, you get your ankles taped, you walk in, you have a warm up that you maybe have a specific warm up you do, and then coach blows his whistle, you all gather at center court, practice is about to start. It's at the same time, same place, uh, same warm ups happen, same practice routines happen. Yep. It's a discipline. Yep. It's regular. I can expect. I, the coach doesn't have to tell me that practice is happening today. It's I know it's happen. happening. Yeah, right. Um, Which is why I never played for the high school. The <laughs> structures come into place when you think about the rules and just the lay of the land or the field of play or court of play, I guess of basketball. Yeah. I like it. You've got the three point line, you have the free throw line, you have the basketball, uh, the rim is 10 feet high. Uh, the court is the same size. Uh, there are the rules for everyone across time and space that if you travel with the ball without dribbling, mm -hmm. that's called traveling. That's the a other rule. team gets that's the ball. A, that is a structure. Yeah. If you hit someone on the wrist, that's a rule. It's a foul. They get the ball back. I'm learning so much because I really don't know how basketball works. The, and, but it's not just that. It's also the traditions of basketball. Sure. Basketball was invented in 1891 uh, by James Naismith. And a lot of the rules have changed. So structures have changed. Yeah. But a adapted. lot of them are also the, the same. same. Yeah. And so as the basketball player walks into the gym, she knows, here are my constraints. Yeah. I know where the, the three-point line is. Mm -hmm. I know where the paint is. And if I am in the paint too long for three more than three seconds, the referee will blow his whistle. The ball goes to the other team because I can't be in the lane for more than three seconds. Yeah. So that defines offensive plays that coaches will draw up. Like because of this rule, I don't want my players in the lane for more than three seconds. So all of these structures are affecting the culture of the team because they're designing plays so that they can be successful on the court that has defined structures. This is a great analogy. Because again, it defines the beautiful intersection of just athletics in general. Yep. You have rules in place. Mm -hmm. You have disciplines that all athletes are practicing to get better. Yep. And all coaches want athletes to have a posture of, I'm going to work hard. Yeah. I'm going to give you my best. Yep. Um, I'm coming in day in and day out with an attitude of let's get better. Especially as a team, you're thinking about not only your own posture, but you want to encourage the people around you to have a better posture and better disciplines. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's the same thing with work. A new employee comes <clears throat> in first day, 
posture of I'm here to work hard. Mm-hmm. I have a skill set. They've hired me for that skill set. Mm-hmm. I'm going to bring a good attitude to the workplace. Got a lot to learn. Got a lot to learn. Discipline. Oh, every Monday morning at 9 a.m. There's an all team meeting. Yeah. About here's what happened last week. Mm-hmm. Here's what we're going to do this mm-hmm. week. What are you working on? That's a discipline. Yeah. The structures take a little bit longer to understand, yeah. but they are so important. It's like you may have an employee, a fellow coworker come up and be like, oh, this is what we do on Tuesdays. You know, mm-hmm. we all go out to eat at this place. That's kind of a tradition. Taco Tuesday. Taco Tuesday. <laughs> um, here are company values. You may have a coworker say, don't break these. Yeah. These, we live and die by these. Yeah. This is this what is you will be judged by. Right. Yeah. It's not a policy in the handbook, which is also a structure, but these are cultural norms. Yeah. Don't break these. Yeah. Don't mess this up for the don't, rest of don't us. Don't mess this up for the rest of us. <laughs> yeah. We love these values. Yeah. Those are, that's what the employee's walking into. Mm-hmm. Here's a question and then we'll wrap up. Can, I love that analogy, even though I'm not a basketball player, but I think any team sport or even any individual sport kind yeah. of can take the same, same ideas. Well, it's, you're a cyclist. You could yeah. come up with the same analogy. Yeah, totally. The, oh my gosh, my brain went off in all the ways that that's true. Um, man, I want to get on my bike. It's so nice outside right now. The, um, I think one thing that I heard as I was giving my talk the other night, and I've heard this from other people, is they feel like, is this something you and I have the luxury to talk about because mm. we're leaders? That we get to define what the structures are. Mm. That's fair. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and if not, how does a person think about creating the discipline or even maybe having a mindset of, you know what, I desire to know what my structures are. Mm-hmm. And so if they don't exist, I'm going to help get them to find. So for example, if I'm, if I'm uh, put on a new initiative or project and we could just say, yeah, cool. Just go run with it. Just go do it. Maybe a really good practice is to turn around and say, great, what are our constraints? What's, what is there, is there a time frame we need to get this done by? Is there a milestone I need to hit? Um, what's success look like? Um, and do we have a budget in play? Well, you just basically asked for your structures. Give mm-hmm. me, give me the rules of the game. Yep. And maybe nobody's defined those. So then it's your, per, even if you're not a leader to step in and say, well, you know what? Let's go ahead and give ourselves a constraint. Let's give ourselves a structure to work within. Um, I, I know we have a budget in this department or in this section of, you know, $100,000. So let's take $5,000 here and see what we can do in the next three weeks, four weeks. See what you can do and run that experiment, but give yourself the structure. I think by naming that structure, even for yourself or for your particular team, you don't have to ask for the permission of the leader Mm -hmm. to define the structure for you every time. Right. Something I'm noticing and the conversations I'm having as I'm, we're testing this language with other, other people is one, they say, either this won't work because my leaders will never go for it. It's fair. And that is going to be a constraint. Absolutely. It's a structure that's in place that maybe over time you can change with some disciplines and postures and maybe proving some results. But your leaders don't want to go for it. Or my leaders haven't told me, they're not, they're not clearly communicating what my constraints are. I don't know. I don't know where my guardrails are, so I'm just not going to move. I right. don't know how safe it is. I don't know how far I can walk before I'm going to go off a cliff or before I'm going to get, you know, smacked because I got in trouble because I went too far. Yep. 
that wasn't you just hit a structure yeah. right there <laughs> structural <laughs> you know what i mean yeah and so i think it, like you you say this often to be to be clear is to be kind it's how as much as possible seeking that clarity of mm-hmm. great tell me what i've got to work with what what field of play am i walking into right here? right and I think that's maybe something I would encourage you, whether you are on the, the front lines on the quote unquote bottom of the totem pole, or you are in a leadership position, or maybe you're going up the ladder towards a leadership position, or if you're in a matrix style, self-organized organization, yep. Turn, make a discipline, make a, make a, create a mindset where you go, we need to know what our constraints are. We need to define some structures mm-hmm. for ourselves so that we can be super creative in that, that space in, in between. Yep. Um, and just understand it's going to, it's going to hurt. It's going to hurt as you change it. It's going to hurt as you try to define it. And you'll probably be wrong the first couple of times. That's okay. We didn't have our mission vision values until we were four years old. Five. Something like that. Yeah. We survived. Yeah. But now yeah. we're flourishing. Yeah, absolutely. You know? Cause I think as you start to work the way that you want to work, sometimes those things, you know, bubble up. Yeah. They emerge. I would say if I were to give you um, tips on how to implement this, especially in a work environment where you think my work environment is definitely not like this, <laughs> yeah. is what are the things you can control? You can absolutely control your posture. Yep. That is something you have 100% control over. Um, it may be hard to have a, a good posture in a bad environment. I get oh, it, yeah. but you can yeah, still have one. We've all been there. We've all been there. For the most part, you can control your disciplines particularly your individual ones. Yep. You can probably have a significant amount of influence on your team disciplines. Yep. Or even suggesting the team does new disciplines. Exactly. Throw out ideas. When it comes to structures, the best thing you can do, in my opinion, is ask good questions. Mm. What, what, what are the rule? How far can I go? Um, I would love to do this for you, Mr. Smith, my boss. Whoever. Mm-hmm. I, w- I think this our organization would benefit so much from this. Can I do this? Yes or no? Yeah. If yes, what are my constraints? I think in order to be successful, we would have to do this, this, and this. Right. At After that, all they can do is say no or yes, but, or yes, and. Yeah. But it's up to you to try. So what do you have control over? Yep. The things you don't have control over, suggest ideas. Ask questions. Be creative. Yep. I like that you said suggest ideas as well. We've we, And we run into this at Crema. Uh, people will say like, I don't like the structure. I don't, this, the way that we're doing this is wrong or this doesn't align with our values. Right. Okay. I appreciate your perspective. Suggest an idea. Yeah. How well, do you, what would you, how do would you change it? Yeah. Yeah. And don't always lead with the, well, the leader should fix this for me. Um, I mean, it goes back to, uh, JFK's whole, you know, and ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. Yeah. What? Right ask what I can do to help the organization. Yeah. I can make suggestions. Yeah. Now I get it. There are environments where they may or may not listen to that, but leaning in with that and then proving that that returns and results, you're going to get someplace. Yeah. There's a difference between a complaint and a problem. Mm. If you know a problem, then you've, then you're submitting a solution as well. If you don't submit the solution, you're complaining. I'm going to have to have some humble confidence there. Yeah. We'll get into that next time. Um, this is really good. That was good. This went honestly, transparently. This went a little bit better than I thought it was going to. <laughs> I was. I'm just structures has been the one that everybody's like. I don't get it. I don't know what to do with that. And I think we're getting closer. We're, we're mm-hmm. refining that language. So, um, thank you guys for sticking with us on this journey of as we explore these ideas. I know there's several of you that have reached out and said I happened to pick up listening to option five and every new episode. And I didn't tell you this actually. Somebody um, um, ran into me and said every new episode 
literally the timing couldn't be perfect that what you guys were talking about is what we were dealing with and we didn't know how to address it. And it's oh, so, that's it's awesome. so, it's that's just cool. cool. I mean, who knew we're just sitting in a room talking. Just so two we, guys. Love, we love that feedback and we'd love to hear more uh, from you. If this is helping you, if it's confusing, if it makes sense, et cetera, shoot us an, um, an email option five at crema.us um, or definitely go check our website out option five no crema.us slash option five mm. i think at one point i was saying crema.us slash podcast i think we have a redirect either one of us <laughs> we'll get there um and uh yeah uh give us your feedback tell us what you think so far about where we're going with this whole idea um if you are listening to this on um, itunes definitely give us a five-star review that really helps itunes to tell the world that we exist and that is the primary driving factor to us growing this. Mm. So we'd love more reviews. Even if you don't listen to it on iTunes, you probably have access to iTunes. Find us, give us a review. That'd mm. be really helpful. Five stars, please. And then if you can share it, share it with your, <clears throat> oh, we got a little choked up there. You okay? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. It's all right. I know. Share it it's with an your, emotional moment. your bosses, share it with your coworkers and your peers, your, um, your community, and uh, tell them that hopefully this is something that is uh, helpful for them to do the best work of their lives. Thanks anything? for listening. Yeah, thank you. Well, until next time. Until next time. Cheers. My name is Laura Artman. I'm an administrator here at Crema. My role includes accounting, payroll, benefits admin, culture and events planning, and more. I mostly work with other members of our operations team on a daily basis. I enjoy working at Crema because of the power of my position to positively influence the lives of those around me by co-creating an atmosphere where my teammates can thrive as humans. Option 5 is a podcast by Crema, a digital product agency that creates web and mobile apps for disruptive companies and industry leaders. We believe that design, technology, and culture can help create a world where individuals and companies thrive. Learn more at crema.us.